welcome to The Intersect. I'm Eric Tischler. Apt Associates tackles complex challenges around the world, ranging from improving health and education to assessing the impact of environmental changes. For any given problem, we bring multiple perspectives to the table. We thought it would be enlightening and maybe even fun to pair up colleagues from different disciplines so they can share their ideas and perhaps spark new thinking about how we solve these challenges. Today I'm joined by two of those colleagues, Lizanne Brown and Karen Carney. Lizanne has more than 20 years of experience in public health and environmental assessment and evaluation. Her areas of expertise include disaster preparedness and response, healthcare access, community-centered health, and the integration of primary care and behavioral health. Karen is an ecosystem ecologist with more than 20 years of experience developing and implementing analytical efforts focused on understanding, mitigating, and adapting to the impacts of climate change. This work has been cited in and influenced EPA's National Climate Assessment. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Hi, thanks. Poor nutrition, poverty, crime, these challenges are disproportionately faced by low-income communities and people of color, and the cumulative weight of these challenges has an impact on health. But these same communities also are often the first to suffer the effects of climate change. How can we help address both the socioeconomic and climate-related impacts that are weighing on these communities? Lizanne, I'm going to start with you first by asking you to explain allostatic load, because that's what we're talking about, right? Right. Um, Thanks, Eric. So allostatic load is the wear and tear on the body, which accumulates with repeated exposure to chronic stress. And this can include violence, poverty, poor health. um, And, uh, you know, it can it causes physiological consequences um, and um, can have um, you know, significant impacts on health, including um, coronary heart disease, um, as well as, you know, other other causes of mortality. In New Orleans, where I, I worked for many years, you know, we saw that the, these communities, um, you know, especially in, in inner city um, New Orleans, you know, suffered from high crime, poor access to health care, uh, food deserts, so they didn't have, you know, access to good food. Um, and then um, on top of it, um, are in you know live in a uh, disaster zone that it's constantly um, uh, at risk of hurricanes and nat- other natural disasters, which adds to the stress. So, for example, we recently um, experienced uh, Hurricane Ida, which had a you know just a devastating impact on uh, coastal Louisiana, um, including communities that are already. Um, uh, suffering from multiple stressors um, in their communities. So, Karen, that's a great segue to you because adding to the challenges of allostatic load then is climate load. And you want to explain that term for us? Sure. So, people facing the highest allostatic loads, which essentially means, again, as Lizanne said, people facing the highest cumulative stress from the environment. Everyone facing those high loads are also those who are the most likely to face the most intense impacts from climate change, and that's the climate load. So storm-related flooding most often happens in kind of low real estate, uh, low-value real estate areas and poor neighborhoods. Intense heat is often the worst in really tightly packed urban areas, Uh, and and wildfire can make existing health conditions like diabetes or pulmonary conditions uh, worse because you're exposing people to particulates in the air, which can make those conditions flare up. So climate load, this kind of cumulative impact from climate actually adds to allostatic load, making it worse um, and making the stresses on the cumulative stress that these people are facing worse as well. So how can we address these accumulating stressors? Well, 
understanding where climate load will be the worst for these people can really help target interventions um, to help people mitigate or lessen the impacts of both climate change and these allostatic stressors. So, for example, if we know where extreme heat is going to be the worst and where that intersects with high poverty and reduced access to cooling centers or healthcare, um, we can better target um, programs that are meant to mitigate pot potential impacts of heat, like through the creation of cooling centers um, that can prevent um, uh, heat-related death and illness. Similarly, if you think about um, the most, how, how to help the people that are the most vulnerable to wildfires, knowing where those wildfires will be most intense, where the most vulnerable people that are the most vulnerable to smoke-related illnesses are, you can better um, target your interventions uh, in terms of evacuating people from areas when you know wildfires are going to occur. And Lizanne, let me pose that question to you too. Sure. I think, um, you know, to piggyback on, on Karen, I mean, what we really need is more local data um, at even a neighborhood level or, um, you know, in some cases we have zip code level, but to really be able to target any particular programmatic or, or policy interventions to address these conditions requires um, local data, which, you know, at the moment is, is lacking in many areas. There are, you know, we do have some information on um, kind of food deserts and where um, healthy food is available. Um, we have uh, the area deprivation index, um, but uh, we really need more information to be able to better address um, the, the combined um, uh, allostatic and climate load. Right, well, I'll put in a plug for our work with EPA. Our own TJ Pepe did a blog recently explaining how tools we make for EPA can help us identify where some of these environmental stressors are. So it sounds like if we could corral um, the, the data that we have, we could get somewhere. Uh, it would be a good start. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but speaking of sort of that localized information, Karen, you're, you're working with uh, in New Mexico on, on similar work, right? Yeah, we're starting to to try and really think from that local perspective uh, with, again, as you said, a tribe in New Mexico, and they have a, a particular challenge on their plate, and that's they are located right next to a contaminated site next to Los Alamos Natural, National Laboratory, where there's a lot of radioactive materials. And what we started to look at with the tribe, we had been doing some health risk assessment work to understand their potential exposure to these contaminated materials in through soils and through ash that's deposited into their Pueblo. And one of the things we wanted to understand better was how climate change might actually make um, their health risks worse. And the way that that would happen is radioactive materials um, could be transported into the Pueblo during intense rainfall events that transport soils that are contaminated with this material into their Pueblo, where they fish, where they grow food, or during wildfires, um, wildfires burn vegetation that has radioactive material in it, and that mm -hmm. can be deposited into the community. So for them, uh, we created a, a kind of climate load index that helped the tribe really understand what is going on with climate change, how much worse are heat-related impacts and wildfire-related related impacts going to get in the future, and then using some modeling and some qualitative analysis to understand whether and how that could affect their health risks over time. 
So we haven't taken this step yet, but the idea is that this could really help form how the Pueblo manages its health risks. Um, and it can do that through restoring areas that are prone to flooding um, to prevent the transport of these sediments, uh, the sediment that carries that radioactive material into the Pueblo, or it can be focused on ensuring that people have access to health care or cooling centers during high heat or uh, wildfire events. Um, and that approach could work in other contexts as well. Great. And I think, Lizanne, you were going to chime in on that. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would, um, that approach could benefit coastal communities um, that are at risk of um, storms um, and, and, and flooding, um, even with, with heavy rains. Um, and, you know, any um, approach that can help reduce stress um, is going to have uh, a positive effect on allostatic load. That, and that means basically um, you don't want it to be too high because that's when people start burning out and um, just get overloaded. Um, and so trying to moderate the overall level of stress um, experienced by these vulnerable communities um, could help improve their overall um, quality of life and, and overall health. Great. So it sounds like we're on track for, you know, Lizanne, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we know where food deserts are. Um, Karen, you know, you're talking about looking at that localized view of, you know, the transport of radioactive material. So it sounds like we're already sort of working on collecting the data we need in different disparate areas. And if we could bring that together with an overlay then and apply that to different areas, then um, we can sort of maybe move the needle, as you say, Lizanne, uh, sort of lighten the, the load. Right. Yeah, I'll say that's one of the things that I, I find potentially really exciting, and that is that App does a lot of work in uh, the health arena. We work with a lot of different partners on the ground and at actually at a national scale. And what we could do is use all the different data sets that we have about potential factors related to allostatic load and overlay the, the extensive information that we've gathered through our projects we could use that information about allostatic load and overlay that with all of the extensive research that we've done um, and that we continue to do uh, understanding climate risks and really understand where people are going to need the most help to mitigate not only the effects of the current environment, but the impacts um, that they're going to face because of climate change, That the, the stressors that will be exacerbated uh, by climate change. Well, Karen, I think you just wrapped that up in a bow for us. Good. That was what I was trying to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, from your mouth to our clients' ears, right? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you both for joining me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Eric. And thank you for joining us at The Intersect. Mm-hmm.